What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Stormcrow Comic Cast, Volume 2, Issue 2. I'm calling this the second print, because we, we tried to record once, and uh, a little bit of catastrophic, catastrophic failure on that, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, turns out, we were recording, but the audio wasn't going through yeah, very strange. the interface, so strange. we were recording silence, silence the entire yes. time. Yeah. I'm Ruben G, though. I'm Kevin Merrill. And we're continuing with the saga. Of yes. course, another listener discretion uh, advisory on this one. As always, uh, we'll avoid the foul language, but definitely adult themes. Yes. Now, before we get into the actual issue, I actually want to reference something from, from last episode where uh, we had the Will and Lion Cat mm-hmm. show up, and I mentioned, oh, this is the appearance of one of my favorite characters, and... and you question me as to which character that might be. And I don't think I really answered <laughs> it. Um, Lion Cat is super cool. Yeah. Really neat design, really neat concept, but I've got to go with the will on it. Okay. And the reason is that with Lion Cat, we get a lot of emotion. We get a lot of expression. Although Lion Cat just says the word lying, you don't really get into i don't know if it's a female cat but you don't even really get into her head um but the will is you know a fully functional human in in that sense and and so we do get a lot more speech out of him or whatnot Mm. and i think as such uh a lot more sort of empathy for the character a lot more sympathy whatever and so i think i gotta go with the will lion cat is super awesome they had that really cool lion cat t-shirt i started kicking myself for not having gotten one (laughs) um but the will, super awesome. I think I like the will. I think cool. that's, that's, that's where I'm going. perfectly fair. He's he's a great character. Yeah, Lion Cat. <clears throat> I don't know. He's one of those those really awesome sort of. I guess I don't really want to say background characters, but kind of. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like every now and then he'll he'll come into the forefront, but most of the time he's just kind of lounging around somewhere. And and do you take the, a Lion Cat probably as a male? Is that sort of? Oh well, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't he remember them using a pronoun. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm going to sort of pay attention for it, but very cool. Both of them are are great, and I know that the will refers to uh, Lion Cat not as his pet, but mm-hmm. as his partner. Yeah, and at some point, so they're, they're both s- legit characters. I'm still waiting for the Lion Cat spinoff series. <laughs> the spinoff series, yeah. <laughs> like, like what was he up to before the will? <laughs> yeah, or she. <laughs> Yeah. Either way. The issue itself, we start with um, a sort of little onion helicopter rocket ship uh, space mobile flying <laughs> through uh, <laughs> what looks like maybe some sort of asteroid belt or something yeah. like that. Uh, everything's red, though. Yeah, yeah, these sort of red chunks of, of I don't know, some kind of mineral or rock or whatever. It's very blocky. Space. Yeah, very blocky. Very yeah. blocky. Very distinctive. Maybe like uh, some kind of crystalline structure or something to yeah. it. And uh, it's the Will calling his agent. Phone, call my agent. He's sort of got speaker phone on. And the next page, we're, we're inside his little onion mobile. And uh, places the phone call. And his agent picks up on this really cool beach scene. It's, you know, it's another one of these absurd meets the mundane. He's, he's got his little office chair and, and his desk. Mm-hmm. But it's out on the beach on some <laughs> foreign exotic planet with a 
sort of like the moon, this this uh, ringed planet. Yeah, and there's the, the fact that the that the agent is a uh, seahorse. Yes, yes. So uh, that too horse. also kind of stands out. That's right. <laughs> More of these sort of uh, animal type forms informing the alien sort of biology or whatever. Yeah. Seahorse kind of underutilized animal in the world of comics. You think so? You, you want more seahorse? I want. I need. I need more cowbell. Image, um, are you listening? Image, get on it. Not only do we need a line cat spinoff, but we also need a seahorse agent. Yes, but, yes. Because I don't know if we ever get this person's name. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's a good point. I don't. I don't recall it. Just yeah, I think it's Will's just agent. agent. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and what a great title for a comic series. The Will's agent. The Will's agent. That's, that's all you need. You'll sell like 100,000 copies right <laughs> off the bat. Yeah. You, you tie it in with some crossover and then you launch the, uh, right. the title. That's yeah. right. Exactly. And what, no, no. What you do. Okay. So you, you make a crossover event, right? And you have like, say it's like a seven part or you have like part five be the will's agent number one so they have to pick up that number one issue to get the part five i i don't know why i'm not in comic book marketing dude you are cynically perfect for it (laughs) (laughs) it's it's depressing but true and make it a 4.99 drawing the line at 7.99 right So uh, the Will's head pops out. It reminds me of Star Wars, you know, when uh, Darth Vader and the Emperor are communicating and you get that sort of holographic image. Yeah. So it's the disembodied head of the Will over this sort of like bowl-like object sitting on the agent's desk. And and they're communicating, talking about the Will's uh, recently received mission uh, to hunt down Elena and Marco. And in this conversation... um, it brings up, of course, you know, uh, Vez, the Rethian woman mm-hmm. with the unicorn, uh, which McCall Horn, uh, had, had let Will know, the Will know, that there were going to be other freelancers going after them. And um, he's all like, yeah, they warned me this was a bake off. Yeah, right. And, and, and who else did they commence? The, the import, the fluke. I'm sorry, Will. They specifically requested the stock. Will goes, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of piques uh, Lion Cat's interest, too, because previously um, Lion Cat was laying down and all of a sudden, like, his ears are kind of perched or whatever. And right, he's standing right. up looking it at the screen. Got I a guess. curious eye. Yeah. yeah. So the Will does not feel that this is... Uh, <laughs> This is a good chance that he's going to he's going to finish the job. And, uh, you know, he's got that white card that Vez had given him sort of a, a bottomless credit card to which uh, we'll call it cover expenses. And he's like, yeah, might as well max this thing out on prostitutes before somebody remembers <laughs> to cancel it. <laughs> we both know the score. If the stock is on their trail, those kids are already dead. But the stock, apparently not someone to mess with. Yes, yes. Because, I mean, we've seen the will be quite formidable, you know, uh, encountering that giant creature before meeting Fez. Yeah. Or Vez, you know, really took care of business quite quickly. And so, yeah, if he's that intimidated by the stock, uh, it doesn't bode well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, another thing, too, I think to add some legitimacy to the to the idea that, that the stock is no one you want to mess with, Lion Cat doesn't throw out the word lying. Right. Lion Cat stays silent. Right. It's just kind of like, yeah, no, those kids are just, that's right. They're toast. I think we said kind of 
tacitly agreeing, you know, by yeah. not saying lying. And just another like super small thing, but at the start of the the Will's conversation with with his uh, agent, like I just I just love the agent answers. Hey, you, your signal sucks. Where are you? Right. Like it's just another one of those relatable things. You know, you're driving under a bridge or like yeah somewhere in the woods or whatever outside of town. Yeah, it, it happens. You it's, know, so. It's- Part of this dialogue and story that's just very human, very relatable. Yeah. We were talking a lot about last episode. and Even though you've got all these different sorts of aliens and you've got spaceships traveling like it's nothing from planet to planet, cell signals still suck. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> I wonder how uh, uh, cellular transmission works in space. I don't know. The radio sure. waves. So I, yeah. I guess theoretically it could work. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> So we're back with Elena and Marco, who Couple are uh, familiar faces. Yeah, a few familiar faces in an unfamiliar position. And um, we get a little bit of narration from Hazel, mm-hmm. uh, the little sort of handwritten narration. Yeah, she replies sort of to what the will said. Right, right. Against all odds, I've been alive three whole days. Yep. And I, I don't know if that'll continue given the picture we're looking at. Elena and Marco have been. Uh, you know, sort of trapped in this plant-like device. I think we were saying it sort of reminds me at least of uh, like a poison ivy trap mm-hmm. with all these sort of, you know, perhaps sentient vines clinging yeah. to them, stringing them up. And and don't forget the evil dead. The evil dead? What, what part am I forgetting? Oh, gosh. Um, where, the, where the woods start to attack. Oh, okay. Re- remember, did you ever watch those movies? Yeah, the of course. Dead? Yeah, the same yeah. 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 It's been a little while. But okay, yeah. okay. Well, there, there's totally a scene where like the <laughs> the woods become animated or whatever. I'm gonna go back because they obviously stole it from Saga. They did. You know, they did. Time travel. Brian K. Vaughn has had all of this copyrighted since like 1965. <laughs> yeah. These are all original ideas, and anything that's vaguely familiar was obviously stolen from him. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But just some really great dialogue here too from Elena. You know, she's tied up by the by the neck, the wrist, around her legs. It's all in a bad position. Marco's hanging upside down. Uh, and she's like, this is what I get from hearing a, veg- a vegetarian. Even the um, the plants want us dead. <laughs> That's right. And there's just a little bit of comedic relief in, uh, in a, a pretty dire situation. And Hazel goes on to continue to narrate, because this is all happening on one big panel on this page, you know, kind right. of a splash page or what have you. And um, Hazel goes on saying, my family's... Um, Quest for Cleve's mythical rocket ship, Boris, had sent us doubling back into its all-too-real endless woods. So, I think this is kind of interesting. Um, because endless woods, to me, sounds something that would be completely made up. Yeah. Dude, just like a rocket ship forest. So, I feel like, and I'll, I'll bring this up again a little bit later in their dialogue, but I feel like if this is real, why would there be any real hesitation about the rocket ship force. Sure. On Marco's part. Yeah. It, it does seem to verify that there's something to that map, yeah. you know, uh, you know, perhaps there will be, be some falsehoods or whatever, but um, so far the map is panning out, you know, the next panel uh, it's Marco upside down, strung up by the plants. Elena, are you all right? Is Hazel Okay. Which means that we didn't actually get a naming scene for Hazel. Where the last issue, they sort of referred, they were playing around with the name, oh. joking about hope. But by this point, 
Hazel is the name. And so we don't yeah. actually get the scene where they, they decide on a name. It, it's not a big deal, but um, it's just sort of implied they've had that conversation before. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I didn't even pick up on that. Because uh, there there is that scene. I'm 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 flipping back real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um just at the at the end of issue one, you know, they're talking to each other. Well, I do like something with an H, we're getting close on the tip of my tongue, my breath is atrocious. Then they kiss, and yeah, there's no actually Okay, so what happens is earlier on in that conversation. They, they they make the potentially they make the jab at Marvel by right, saying yeah we're not going to call our daughter something so ridiculous and Elena says if you think I'm calling my daughter that I want a divorce and in the narration she says my name is Hazel that's right that's so right. I guess it's to be assumed that at some point after this moment when they kiss and all that they were all the seen they came up with the yeah, name yeah. yeah but anyway going back to the predicament that, that they're in. Um, we get a little bit of Hazel, uh, more Hazel's narration, yeah. um, talking about just how long they've been up, you know, since that battle scene, it, it seems apparent that they haven't slept. Dad had been awake for 65 of the 72 hours since I was born. So he's napped. Mom hadn't closed her eyes once. So they're in this predicament. They're probably just wrecked with, with, you know, uh, lack of sleep and, um, you know, gotta gotta save their lives here. Says continued stress. Yeah. And how are they going to deal with it? Um. You know, El- Elena calls out for Marco to use his sword, and uh, you know he can't reach it. Also, sacred vow. Just tell me a secret. What? Why? Because spells require ingredients, and this one needs a secret. Something you've never shared with anyone. I'm not as tall as I tell people. Do you seriously need me to define what a secret is? <laughs> And, and dude, what's the secret? She goes, fine. I enjoy the taste of my own breast milk. Right, right, right. Like, I'm sure we all do. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> you don't even know. Like, I cannot go into detail on this podcast. Tune into the three beards sometime. It's ridiculous. I, I love the look on her face, too, as she admits it. Like, she's sort of, like, looking off, almost, like, rolling her eyes, perhaps. Fine. I enjoyed the taste of my own breast milk. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, he says a word in his Rethian language. Like Velky or something Velky, like right. That. And uh, the, the plant vines that were holding them are sort of incinerated in the moment. Yeah, like a fire spell or something like that, it right, seems like. Right, right. And he falls down, whatever it is, you know, eight feet or something, thumps on the ground. <laughs> and uh, he, he can't let the, the breast milk thing <laughs> drop. So he's like, uh, you really? Uh, I mean, when did you even... Hazel spit up in my mouth last night. Whatever. (laughs) Just somewhat amusing. She refers back to the map saying, also changing the subject as well. Whatever, we should keep moving. Uh, The map says we're almost out of the woods, literally. That means we're halfway to getting our our girl off the sturt of a planet. But here Marco goes, hold on, that's if that thing is to any uh, kind of reliable scale. I say if we... We look for shelter. We don't want to get called out in the open after sunset, not while the horrors are still out there. He's still skeptical of this map, even though this completely ridiculous forest has been found. Not the rocket ship forest, but the endless woods. Right. I don't know. I think at this point, after everything that's happened to these two people, 
I think I would trust the map a little bit more than Marco seems to, seems I hear, to trust yeah. it. You know, the the map, though, could be basically true, although what he's pointing out here is that it might not be to a reliable scale. Yeah. So it might be like, sure, Virginia's north of North Carolina, but like, you know, are we 100 miles to the border? Or are we 300 miles to the border? Yeah. You know, a small map. You might not, and handwritten or drawn or whatever it that's, appears to be. That's true. Yeah. Know. But whatever. You know, this middle panel I really like. Marco's exhausted and uh, he, he finds this rock to sit down on. And dude, it's a small panel. I think it's really beautiful. They're in this forest. The green is the overwhelming color, but there's a lot of shadows and whatnot. And the sun is sort of peeking through some of the vegetation and kind of a dappling, if you will, the. Mm-hmm the ground around them, I think it's really pretty. And I think what, whether it's watercolors or whatever, just a really nice effect here. All the shadow, the, the only like hard lines that are drawn are, are actually around Marco's body. The rest, rest of it's very soft sort of impressionistic colors. And then it just has a very nice effect. That's yeah, cool. I, man, I, I think we've, we've said it before. I'd love to have some original art. It would be book. killer. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just gorgeous stuff. Yeah. I think it's it might be volume two or something, but if you've read Saga, The Giant, oh. like, <laughs> that would be uh That's something. what I want on my wall, like right next to the dining room table. <laughs> like the dining room yes. table. Yes, it is it is a mildly obscene picture oh. of a giant later in the comic, but I'm sure we'll get to it at some point in the future. Yeah. Like I, I doubt volume one is where we stop with, with saga <laughs> yeah. for good. Yeah. So um Anyway, um, so Marco suggests that, that they should find shelter. Lana's a little bit more skeptical. Marco, if those things were real, they would have already eaten us and hooped us back out by now. <laughs> um, why don't you just admit that you're tired, too? He says, I'm not tired, just winded. And uh, Elena goes, and we get a little bit more insight about their warring factions here, uh, which I think is something that, again, people can relate to that have ever gone to, to war. Um, and you see stuff like this maybe in some movies. Things like that. He says, ha, my drill instructor used to say that uh, wreath soldiers could go a month without sleep. And then Marco replies, yes, I said the same same thing about your lot. Right. So right. a little bit of propaganda on both sides that's yeah. pretty much identical. They're saying the same thing about each other when the reality is they're, the, they're people. They're right, you know? right, right, right. They've got to have their rest. That's right. You know? yeah. they're, they're not these uh, just infallible monsters that you've got to stay on top of or else they're going to, you know, slit your throat while you're sleeping or whatever. You have to stay awake because they're going to be awake for a month looking for you, you know? They're motivating, you know, each his own troops to, like, really be hardcore about it. Yeah. I sort of want to reference another thing from the first issue that we kind of glossed over last time. In that opening scene, uh, the the birthing scene, where uh, Elena jokes that she's worried she's going to defecate all over Marco during the pregnancy, and she says, um, please don't be into that. Uh, it sort of indicates that they don't know each other that well. We're just dropped in the middle of the scene. We don't know up to this point, like, how long they've known each other or no. whatnot. I mean, they're having a child, so they're intimate. Yeah. But some of the time things happen quickly. And I think that's what's implied here is that they don't, they haven't known each other for years. Their relationship is somewhat recent. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, we have no idea how long it took for Hazel to be born. Is Elena still on the same nine month cycle that human females are on? Is it quicker? Is it probably she talks about 
how nine months of forced sobriety was a nightmare. Oh, okay. She does drop that line. Yes. And I, I, it might not be, it may just be that, you know, she's been in the military that long or something like yeah. that. But I think nine months is a funny number to yeah. use and not be trying to uh, connect it to pregnancy. Also, uh, going back to this whole line about um, them saying the same thing about soldiers. I know it's not the exact same thing, but I can't help but like have imagery of like, you, you'll hear this sometimes um, from war. I think this particularly happened in World War II. I think to where, you know, you would have some skirmishes or what have you. And then after the fight, sometimes it was pretty rare. Sometimes both sides would like come together and like have dinner and drink together. And then like the next morning, they go back on their their yeah. respective sides and fight it out again. Are, are you saying this is how you think they may have met or something I'm, like that? No, I think I think it's just emphasizing the fact that, you know, in war. Sure, you know, you're you're each other's enemies or whatever, but you're still people. Right. You know what I mean? And you still like to do human things. So I'll, I'll be honest, like, it's hard for me to imagine here because the, the two sides seem so bloodthirsty yeah. after each other. Um, I hear you. But I mean, think about the Germans and the Americans, though. I mean, that was a bloody war. And are, are you saying that that Nazi soldiers and allied forces would like after battles, like go drinking? together? I, I could I could totally be wrong, but I think that was a war where on rare occasion that would happen from time to time. I mean, I, the world is a big place. Yeah. But, you know, wars are, are not just weekend affairs. I guess some of the time they are, but but rarely. Um, and I remember hearing something about Roman soldiers when, you know, they had a lot of sort of internal conflicts and some of the time the, the two factions, um, you know, the individual soldiers had actually fought together previously mm. and, and these sort of things would happen. So, you know, I, like, Hey, can we agree possible. to put our swords down and lift up our bottles? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? Just for one night guys. Huh? Huh? Kill each other in the morning. Have fun <laughs> That's tonight. Right. That's right. Right. Come on. Everyone likes alcohol, both sides. <laughs> yes. Um, so Elaine and Marco have plopped down they're, they've escaped the plants and they're relaxing. And the following page, we get these four horizontal panels um, that are darkening as they go, as Elena and Marco sort of snooze off. And the bottom panel uh, is, is the darkest and yeah. the red eyes appear. And I think it's fair to say that these might be the horrors. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and. This the same page actually probably has my favorite narration from Hazel in this this issue. Yeah. I think it's really good. You know, you've got the sequence of of Marco and Elena falling asleep. Like you said, the the lights dimming as you go further down the page, and uh, all the while Hazel says, "If there's an opposite of a honeymoon, it's the week after a couple's first child is born. No matter how hard they try, no matter how pure their intentions, everything will go wrong." And that's when the gawkers show up. Right. Is the, the, uh, the red eyes appear, mm -hmm. uh, sort of that interplay between, uh, you know, the context of being a parents and then what's actually going on in the scene, the gawkers, they might be just, you know, friends of the couple being nosy and watching their, uh, friends fail at raising a child and not get any sleep overnight yeah. and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and the narration actually continues on to the next page too. Uh, Hazel goes on to say, from far and wide, they come to inspect the hopeless new parents. The nice ones bring food. And while that narration is happening, we're having a complete change of scenery. Right. Two completely different characters, one of which we're familiar with from issue yeah, one. Yeah, Prince Robot. 
Absolutely. And, and um, there's this, this uh, soldier, Lance Corporal McHenry, um, says, uh, welcome to Cleve, your majesty. So he, he's, he's shown up to Cleve. Um, how was your trip in from landfall, sir? Dreadful. I'd rather fly commercial than another one of those godforsaken things. Do you know what exactly he's talking about having? I, I assume it's a, some kind of military transport that yeah. he just hated the ride and he'd rather be in coach, you know, right. in a tight little seat next to two smelly people as a horrible movie play. <laughs> <you know? laughs> uh, as, as you were, you know, trapped between two, two obese people watching Grown Ups 2. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that your uh, your your go-to horrible movie that makes you want to end I, it all? I can only assume that it was worse than Grown Ups. I've not watched <laughs> Grown Ups 2 because Grown Ups was so terrible. Or The Hangover. <laughs> oh. I'm trolling Kevin here. He actually <laughs> likes that track. But. Uh, so we turn over to the next page. Just to ignore it. Changing the subject. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, the, the, this soldier here, the, the Lance Corporal, is a little bit nervous about Prince Robot's right, right. Uh, presence. Sort of queries him why he's there. Yeah. You know? And and basically wants to know, you know, uh, she says, uh, we, we don't get many princes down in lockup. Some of the other MPs were wondering if this is like an inspection or... So everyone's sort of on their toes now that Prince Robot's here. I think yeah, is yeah. pretty much what Vaughn is establishing. Um, he, he replies, I'm on a classified investigation involving a uh, uh, high value target and uh, you go on a little bit more. And he brings up that not that it's any of your business, but it's one of your escapees. And um, the, the soldier replies, the Mooney that took Elena. And this gets Prince Robot's attention in, yeah. a, in a big way. He says, you knew private first class Elena. And uh, soldier replies, I'm not what. Mm, Saw her in the mess and stuff. She mostly kept her, kept to herself, read books. And Prince Robot replies, what kind of books? But at the same time, his television screen face or whatever uh, pops up with an image of some face. Not sure what species it is, right. but it's humanoid looking. And everything's... No obvious horns or wings, for example. Right, exactly, exactly. And everything's red as right. if there's like a lot of fire there. Yeah. And then the face certainly looks like it's in agony. That's right. It, it almost looks like he's watching somebody burn to death in that quick little image. And yeah. just as fast as it appears, the, the TV blinks out. Yeah. Unless corporal starts to ask if, if, if Prince robots fine, uh, she goes, sir, are you? And he just goes, I'm fine. Uh, yeah. And then he, he changes the subjects. Excuse me. The subject says these books, were they religious texts propaganda? I think, I think it's fair to say that the image that popped up on his uh, his screen, much like in issue one with, I believe it was like the bloody horn or whatever that right, was laying right, on the ground, yeah. probably a, a flashback to some sort of military conflict that he was involved yeah, that's in. that's how I took it. So it seems yeah. like maybe Prince Robot is maybe suffering from some PTSD or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, so he asked about the books. Uh, Lance Corporal says, you know, they were just stupid uh, – Romance is the kind housewives buy at the supermarket, half-naked dudes on the cover, you know. Fabio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's talking, she's talking about Fabio here, another one of those relatable things. Yeah, yeah. Um, she lent me one right after she got arrested here, that it was her favorite. I probably still have it somewhere if you want. Yes, what was it about? No idea. Who has time to read anymore? That's right. So. And and they're they're approaching the train station and and the train oh, itself yes. is is pretty cool. It's it's this very sort of serpentine um 
train and it's got these lit up sort of windows going along it. But the, the head of it is it appears to be sort of like if you've ever seen a parade at a Chinese New Year type thing. And they've got these large dragon puppets that are sort of uh, handled by maybe, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 people, whatever. Yeah. And and that's the subway car is this very oriental looking dragon subway vehicle. Just ever a neat design. It looks nice. It's cool. It's very cool. And then we turn the page. Hazel's uh, giving a little bit of a fit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, waking up Elena and, and Marco. Um, Marco stands up, looks around, says, Elena, we have to go now. And uh, Elena replies, what, what, what's wrong with Hazel? Never heard her cry like this. Marco says, we've been asleep for hours. She's probably starving. And Elena makes a point to go, no, she sounds scared. Um, Marco says, there's something here. If you'll notice, he has his um, his hand on his sword. It's yeah. not drawn, but he yeah, he, is, yeah. he does seem like he's ready to, to break that vow. Break that vow. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he picks and chooses when he's gonna break that vow. It seems because do, doesn't he use it at some point in the? He at least draws it, I think, in issue one. I think during that that fight between the two factions and the body no, shop. I don't think he does. There, they're just clinging no? to okay. each other as the blasts go off around them, and they and they somehow survive. I guess Elena's nicked in the wing, but I don't think so. Although, uh, you know, minor spoiler, I do believe he draws it later. Yeah. Um, and then and then uses it. Yeah, you're right. Scene. No, actually, what he does during that 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 fight scene is towards the end after they kind of kill each other, uh, the two factions. He just puts his hand on it again, but he yeah. doesn't actually draw. So, this is the second time now that he's been been ready to pull out his sword. That's but right. Or considered quite. it on some level. Yeah. You know. and Marco, I guess, feels like it's too late to run. He basically says that mm -hmm. we have to count on our rings to make whatever's out there understand. And you see Marco sold, sort of holding up his fist and, and the wedding ring that it appeared in the previous issue there, sort of indicating that these rings have something besides just ornamental ornamental value yeah like a star trek type language translator right, thing right. yeah i think that's pretty much what they are is we'll discover later but which is yeah. really handy i would love to have one of those in real life that way you know i never have to take another language class again <laughs> i can right. just talk in english and it'll come out mandarin chinese it's or the whatever rosetta ring yeah exactly <laughs> exactly man i know they're making some money right now but if rosetta stone ever came up with the translator ring wow you know, maybe down there to, to, you know, just be silly about it. I'm always impressed. One of the things with technology, the uh, improvement in language recognition over the last 10 years, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, like speech to text software and yeah, things like that. Siri, she's amazing. Yeah, Siri's awesome. You should ask her about her politics sometimes. Yes, yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's crazy. <laughs> nah, uh, anyways, Marco is is very much so uh, making the point that he does not want to fight at right, all. Right. He, he says, "If you can hear my voice, we mean you no harm, and and we apologize if we have trespassed on your land or done anything to offend you." My wife and I may look like the armies that have invaded this world, but we are not like them. We have renounced violence in every form. Elena says, well, most forms. Right. <laughs> and Marco lays down his sword onto the ground. He says, I lay, lay down my weapon as a gesture of good faith. Please may my family pass in peace. Yeah. Next panel is just at the bottom right of this page. He looks up. He's still 
He's, so right. he's gone down. down to a knee yeah. to lay his sword before this invisible predator or whatever. Yeah. And, and he, then he glances up. He glances up and there's like a shadow right. on his face. So something's before him. And you turn the page and holy crap, what is this? <laughs> it is another bizarre, beautiful creation of Fiona Staples. Um, uh, another humanoid with no arms, a bare top, uh, Appears to be feminine. She's sort of wearing the the bottom half of like a black wedding dress or gown of some sorts, and on her head a black tiara. Mm-hmm. No arms, as I mentioned. Naked midriff. Um, long blonde hair, sort of obscuring her breasts, and eight eyes, eight red eyes up and down her head, and just stands there looking at them for a moment. Uh, they they sort of talk a little bit. You know, we're all friends here, Marco says. My name is Marco. I'm just trying to take care of my girls. And the blonde, armless individual replies, and I'm just trying to do my job. They call me the stock. Dun, dun, dun! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, some Darth Vader music maybe starts playing. (laughs) And uh, and Marco seems confused because at this point, the stock's very much so in his in his face. Right. And um, he goes the and then Elena just shouts out freelancer. That's right. So at this point, Elena recognizes what's going on. That's right. And and right. The next page immediate. It seems immediately after um, a barbed harpoon like tongue shoots out (laughs) of the stock's mouth in Marco's red sort of right breast pierces through his body you see it coming out the other end blood spurting out yeah um kind of vicious and creepy uh you know elena screams marco's name and uh you know screams at the stock to get away from him points her little laser pistol object which i believe was the heartbreaker gun yeah um I, i mean it i'll flip and kill you not with the stun gun, you won't. Sorry, sister. I know a thing or two about this game. And then, holy crap! Yes, throws back the gown to reveal eight <laughs> spider-like arms with a scoped pistol, a wicked-looking knife, a glowing green shotgun, and the, uh, a war axe, and then the hilt. And a, and a bell. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bell. <laughs> sort of the hilt of uh, what I believe is going to be a lance, but you don't see the actual lance projecting from it. It's just sort of an empty hilt. Uh, dude, I think but, she's calling room service. I really yeah, do. Like a bell, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Super freaky. She's got the the sort of thorax and abdomen of a spider. These yeah. spider-like arms. And the little hairs the coming off her legs. The little hairs. Also, if, if you've noticed the cover of this book, is sort of a, a baby's hand gripping onto this very spider-like hand, which I think obviously calls out the stock here. Yeah, yeah. And so we thought that she was armless. Yes. She's got eight of them. Yeah. <laughs> and they are all grasping deadly weapons. And God, it's such a freaky character design. Mm-hmm. Both uh, sort of sexy and beautiful and extremely wow. frightening and bizarre. Like, very weird. I'll at least agree with the last part. Bizarre. <laughs> well, I mean, her midriff, if she had some arms on there and you, and you didn't see her eyes, it'd be like, oh, that's a hottie. Yeah, but uh, possibly, yeah. But not much a hottie, <laughs> a freaky. And uh, anyway, so she, she says, I, I know this game or whatever. And uh, Elena goes, then shut up and kill me already. And uh, she goes, I will. 
And then and then the stalk shows her hand. Right. right. Says, but you'll be relieved to know my employers have requested that I bring them your creepy mutt, referring to Hazel, yeah. unarmed. Un- unharmed, sorry. Unarmed, yeah, which would be apropos. <laughs> I'm going to make her one of us. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the stalk says, sorry about doing your baby daddy in front of you like that. For what it's worth, sounds like he was quite the vicious piece of crap back in the day. And uh, Elena says, you're lying. And uh, the stalk replies, I told you, if you want to scare me, you'll have to do better than a heartbreaker. That thing would barely break my skin. And Elena goes, maybe, then raises the, the, the pistol up to Hazel's head and says, but it would be more enough, more than enough to kill her. That's right. And so she's willing to off her own baby instead of giving it up to the stock. And, and you were completely right that, you know, the stock really showed her cards there and, and let her know that permission is to get the baby back safe. Yeah. And... Elena's willing to kill her own child rather than uh, give it up to the enemy. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, these comic book villains, if you can call the stalk a villain, which I think in this instance is perfectly fair because Elena and Marco and Hazel are supposed to be our protagonist or what have you. Monologues, man. They always say what they're going to do in their monologues instead yeah, yeah. of just doing it. And then the heroes are always able to come up with something to counter them. That's very, it's totally true. It's, it's like James Bond, uh, chained down as the, the arch enemy reveals his plans for removing, you know, the, the, I don't know, the ozone layer and I will make the earth heat up and there's a slow laser. <laughs> Quickly or slowly going up towards James Bond, and it gives him time to really. Yeah, she should have just cut to the chase. Yeah, probably should have just flung that tongue thing out at Elena, grabbed the kid, and gotten out of there. Yeah, but... and 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 the stalk is kind of in disbelief. You wouldn't. And uh, would you like to deliver the next line from Elena? Where, where, where are we? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm the, the place. The, you don't think I'd, I'd do whatever it takes? Oh yeah, to to save my only child friend from ending up with a c word like you. Easy. Let's just take a deep breath and give this some as she sort of cocks back the pistol, yeah. uh, heats it up. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> and and we get this this sound uh, in red lettering that appears to be going on. And Elena's like, what is that? Stop making that noise. And the stock looks nervously around. It's not me. It's horrors. <laughs> Maybe a little cheesy the way I'm delivering it. <laughs> And uh, Elena looks at her. What the real? And and this is this is perfect. Uh, the stock tells her, I once saw a pack of them rip a man's spine out through his urethra. That's not an exaggeration. I saw that. Yeah, spine through the urethra. <sighs> kind of vicious. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a, a lot of good stuff here that's just sort of implied and, you know, without actually seeing it, it's it's heavy. I also want to go back briefly and, and during their interaction, yes. there there's some fun things that touch on, you know, just like the cell phone and these very sort of down to earth human things. Um, she calls Marco uh, her, her baby daddy. Mm-hmm. That's just such a popular, you know, uh, way to refer to it, to a kid's father. Um I have to ask you about the art. Yeah. Specifically with Elena's face. Does it seem a little inconsistent with you? Um, okay. So, for example, 
when she's holding the gun at the stall, she says, you're lying. You kind of see like a side profile of her face and, and a little line coming down next to her nose, almost like uh, like eyeliner running from tears. Right. right. And then the next panel right below, it's a little bit more prominent and you see kind of the streaks coming down. Right. Mm. Then you move over to the, to the next page when you get another uh, front profile shot of Elena. There's not that it's, line. It's, it's not there. Mm. You know, it might be a shadow or something. Um, I like the idea that she's got running makeup, but I think like she probably hasn't been putting on makeup because yeah. even though they just gave birth or whatnot, I, I believe they've been on the run for a little while now. Um, you know, perhaps nine months or whatever. So I don't, I don't think it's necessarily yeah. makeup. But that, that's interesting. But, but it's know, this very distinctive line. Yeah, and and then you and then you flip the page again, and after. You know, the, the stalk leaves, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that. But if you look, when she's kneeling down by Marco, the line's back again. But on the opposite side on of the her face. On the opposite side. I, I think maybe it is sort of a small shadow or a crease in her cheek. Yeah. You know. I guess maybe, yeah. Yeah. But but then the very next panel, <laughs> there's a line underneath her right eye. Yeah, I, I think then that's probably right. It's just her face contorting and... and changing and these various, you know, yeah. wrinkles and lines appearing as she scrunches her eyes or gives a heated look and Okay. I don't know. All right. Well, I, I just took it point. as as her crying a little bit. Yeah. I don't think she's sad there. She's just in a vicious I know, deadly but, mood. But scared, I think would be fair. You know, yeah. She just she doesn't know what's going on with Marco. Is is he still alive? Is she, he, she's, he dead? The baby's being threatened. I think she's probably very afraid, but is repressing it with her anger yeah. at that point and, and sort of the deadliness of the situation. I think some of the time, you know, we deal with crazy instances in real life and we think back on it and we're like, holy crud, I can't believe that happened. I, you know, I could have died or, you know, that was almost a car accident or whatnot. But in the heat of the moment, that's not the overwhelming emotion you're experiencing. It might be anger or frustration yeah. or whatever but so the stalk scampers off scuttles off perhaps mm -hmm. on her eight little spider-like legs at the sound of the horrors elena goes running to marco's body he he is on the ground in a pool of his own blood and uh, we can't tell if he's alive or dead at this point she, she's calling to him baby please we need you they're coming and we need you i need you hello yeah. And and these these hello text bubbles are are written in a sort of red ink that kind of matches the glowing red eyes that once again appear. It does seem like the horrors are upon them. Yeah. And what what nasty, horrible, despicable, gross kind of thing are the horrors going to be? Children. And yes, children are horrifying. And <laughs> but but these children kind of are a little bit. Yes. You know, uh, the, the, the pack leader here says, looks like you could use a hand. And she's missing the, the bottom half of her body. Her, body, her intestines right. are hanging out. There's and a, she's, got, she's got five little friends with her, all with varying wounds and, and problems. The little girl on the left with about half her head missing and... It sort of looks, once again, without being grotesque, still kind of gross that, you know, perhaps her brain is exposed or whatnot. And, the, and they're this glowing red. Yeah. Um, definitely the overwhelming color. But There's but, another girl missing an eye. Yeah. Looks like there's some bullet holes in some other people. It's the way they're dressed and their hair and their clothes, they, they do appear to be children, young and sort of regular kids. Yeah. Um, she's got this little 
Mickey Mouse heart flaming T-shirt on. Uh, one of the kids in the background has sort of like a Justin Bieber haircut, if you will. Um, they're kids. Yeah. And, and once again, it doesn't yeah. seem that they're quite human because they, right. they all have very large ears. Like yeah. Abnormally large. Yeah, it's it's without without being an elephant, uh they are sort of disproportionately big. So yeah, another like humanoid maybe, species that's yeah. not quite human. Like maybe like twice the size of a regular human ear or right. something like that. Um not quite a Ferengi from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. But but still pr- pretty large ears. And uh that's how this issue ends. Yeah. Sort of um, the flip side. They're they're afraid of the horrors or whatnot, and we get that one uh large page picture and and some kind of messed up kids. So yeah. trying to figure out what's going to happen. A fun issue. I think, I think, you know, issue one, I believe was like sort of an extra sized issue. So going to this next one, it's sort of natural to feel is a little shorter. I think yeah. it was. Yeah. I think, uh, in, in the, the first print of this, this issue, I, uh, I brought up that it seemed like a, a lot shorter read right. than issue one. And it turns out there's a good reason for that. There, <laughs> right. there aren't as many pages. <laughs> um, yes. But just a fantastic second issue. Uh, you know, once again, we, we get some good development, I think, between Elena and Marco. Uh, their story progresses as they, they venture a little bit further along. They're in the endless woods now. Uh, we finally get to see the horrors. That's right. Um, we get to see the stock. I think I, for me, yeah. the stock was perhaps the biggest part of this issue. Sure. Just um, we get some more of the will and lion cat. Right. Too, right. Also, Um I, th- I think uh, I think it was it was solid. I really do. Yeah. Um, was it better than issue one? I don't what, think what so. You, but uh, I mean, you know, not in a not bad that way. it has to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think issue one had more in it, so there's more to sort of think about and talk about. This isn't a bad issue, yeah. but um, you know, I think it's an issue that definitely wants you or, or makes you want to see what happens. It's because there is that little bit of a of a cliffhanger when they introduce the horrors and they're they're not while they are creepy. They're not these terrible monsters that maybe. Yeah, they're not malignant looking. They're not evil looking. In in fact, they're they're offering a helping hand. That's right. Looks like you could use a hand. And she really does have a nice expression on her face. Maybe a little doubt, fear, concern, right? Concern. No, you're you're perfectly right. The. uh I sort of get the feeling that when Marco was laying down his sword yeah. and pleading for the safe passage of his family, that although he saw the stock next, perhaps these horrors did hear what he was saying. Sure. And so once the, the dust settles with the stock, you know, they're willing to help out. They, they believe him that they really don't want to fight. They're just trying to get out of there and they're sympathetic towards it. Yeah. Um, good stuff. Yeah, yeah it's really good. Yeah. Um, shall we go into pick of the week? Yeah, let's do it. I'll, I'll go first this time. I'm okay. horrible about it. I'm going to go with Manhattan Projects 20. Another image book. Oh, God love image. Um, Einstein, the barbarian. And yes, it is exactly what it sounds like. Einstein with a war axe. Um, totally BA. Einstein is awesome. He's great. He's Maybe my favorite character in the comic. It's issue 20. He's been sort of gone through space and time and has just returned uh, to to the Manhattan Projects group. And really fun issue. Jonathan Hickman is a crazy person. Yes, he is. I'm just going to say it. God He's, bless him. 
I, awesome. I really, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting called up on that. Ah, you got to, you got to, I'm trying to get your dad on it too. Yeah. Been pumping it up. <laughs> really fun stuff. He, he's really prolific too. I mean, just so many projects and I don't know, know how he juggles. All of it at the same time. He must have no life. I guess. No life. I mean, yeah. but he does a lot of conventions too. Does he? So yeah. you know, it's not like he has all the free weekends in the world to to work on this stuff. It's, he he must be a land falling in soldier. He doesn't need to sleep for a month. I or, guess you know? so. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, you got Manhattan projects. You've got. Um, he's still doing some Avengers work, right? Um, what else does he do? Oh, he was doing FF. He did Secret yeah. Warriors for a while. There's a bunch of different stuff. Uh, God is dead. He isn't actually writing it. He did the first arc or two. Yeah, and I think he still plays Costa. a role in the story. I think, yeah. like, kind of like the the big idea, and then, right? Um, someone else comes in and actually fills in the between the lines. But um, yeah, Jonathan Hickman, a, a workhorse. Yes, that yes. puts out quality stuff constantly. Uh, Extremely imaginative. So, it's never yeah. a boring that, moment. That's the thing. Like other people can put out the amount of stuff that he puts out. Not quite at the quality that, that he pumps yeah. it out at. Everything it, it seems like just about is is pretty well thought out material. That's interesting. That's that's one of the the great things about a, a Jonathan Hickman book, in, including Manhattan Projects, is that you know that ninety nine percent of the time when you pick up a issue that has his name on it you're going to get something that's thoroughly entertaining. So yeah. hats off to Jonathan Hickman. Yeah. Among my favorite authors right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you, your pick, um, the walking dead number one twenty five, yeah. the finale, the conclusion to all out war, which is a storyline they've been doing for a couple months now. Yeah. Bi-weekly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which has been fantastic. I, I love that. Unfortunately, I think it's going to go back to just being a monthly I love the bi-weekly schedule, though. You don't have to you only have to wait half as long right. for the next part. Um, but we wrapped up the the storyline sort of between Rick's group of survivors, the hilltop, the kingdom against uh, the saviors who have been the big villains led by uh, this guy named Negan. Um, such a good ending. And, and maybe not perhaps the ending that I didn't see it coming. I did yeah. not see that being how. Uh, events would 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 turn out to, to to play out um wow that was a terrible sentence um <laughs> but i just didn't see things panning out that way sure, that they sure, did yeah. but uh it was a good surprise i thought i was i walked away from that issue going i don't feel like i've wasted my time at all i felt yeah. like that was a great storyline and a really good way to wrap it up and it and it just leaves things wide open for whatever the next story arc is yeah. too. And and so, we don't without spoiling things. Yeah, we don't uh lose necessarily the thread of Negan and in the future I think like there's a good chance he'll come back into play in, in some regard or other. The ending of 124 is one of my more favorite recent moments in Walking Dead when uh if you've read it Rick uh they're battling and, and he goes right outside the war zone, sort of safe little area to confer with Negan and uh, really verbally manipulates and convinces Negan about the way they could do things differently, really gets Negan thinking and then just pulls out a knife, slashes the end of the neck. That's the end of yeah. 124. And then 125 is is sort of, uh, you know, tightens some knots on the story, but really good stuff. Pulls out his cult python and starts putting holes in all of the saviors. Yeah, yeah, it just lines them up, summary yeah. executions. No. No, he doesn't have the python anymore <laughs> in the comics. 
When did he lose it? Honestly, I don't remember. I want to say, but I'm not positive. I think it's when the governor took his hand. I think okay. when, when Rick was under sort of the governor's captivity. Or okay. I think that's when he lost it. But it might have been, um, been before then. But by God, he's not losing it in the show. Yeah. That is the best character. I, I mean, that is one of my favorite inanimate <laughs> objects in that show. <laughs> and, you know, we went to our pick of the week and I realized that what our intention was to, to go back into the end of saga. So I'm going to, I'm going to do this a little bit out of order. Yeah, uh, I apologize, but the, uh, I was talking about how much I enjoyed the letters page of saga. And although we don't get any letters in issue two, Hickman does, uh, try to engage the readers with with a 2012 Vaughn. saga reader survey vaughn vaughn pardon me yeah, yeah, I'm, all, I'm, I'm mixing up these guys it's so good it makes you think that it's jonathan hickman yeah you know and, and jonathan hickman i'm gonna put up put up uh pull up a book and and be like oh man i tell you vaughn's so good he's just <laughs> get them all backwards but he, he's got this uh reader survey and just a bunch of funny random questions he starts off sort of uh Basically, number one, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? Two, where are you from? Three, what are you reading these days? Sort of fair game or whatnot. But then he starts getting into some sort of absurd, uh, funny questions. Important, who would win in a fight, the Hulk or Rorschach? Hulk. Hulk, yes, I think that is fair. Um, <laughs> what is your second greatest regret in life? Giving up on those piano listens. Seriously, what is wrong with my eye? And by the way, we get a picture of Vaughn in the corner and he's he's bald. He's got a big eye patch on. So kind of looks like uh, Nick Fury a little bit. Cut. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Also, to the tone of the adult content of this book, uh, number 12, Ian Fleming once wrote that James Bond liked sex best when it had the sweet tang of rape. Does Jesus. this change the way you feel about the character and or life on this planet? Like, oh my God, <laughs> that's, that's a heck of a question. There's the one about the inanimate object. Too, yes. Right? Yeah. So, uh, number 25, if you were to be reincarnated as an inanimate object, what would it be? A needle. A needle. So that I could either save a life or take a life. Oh, dude, you're a poet. You're a poet. <laughs> oh my God. I, I think I, I, maybe I'd be something, well, you know, if you want to uh, take it to a new level, you, you could say something like an airbag in a car. I would save lives. That's very much like yours, I guess. <laughs> Sometimes take a life. Take a life. Too, take yeah. a life. Yeah. Uh, maybe a pillow. Be a pillow. Yeah. Soft and, you know. The occasional stain. Yeah. And you'd get head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Adult themes. Adult yeah. themes. Well, you were talking about someone laying their head down on the pillow when they fall asleep. Right. Obviously, right. that's what you what you meant. That is what I meant. That is a very adult kind of situation. Yeah. Adult so, sleep. I believe. together. Yes, that is true. That is true. I, I believe uh, issue three, I, I hope and think that we will get some of these answers. So maybe I'll pick a couple and, and share some of the funnier yeah. answers. Yeah, cool. Very cool. But a little out of order. Sorry about that. Ah. They're, they're getting what they paid for. <laughs> right, yeah, literally. Uh, but but no, uh, I think we should go into plugs now at this point. Yeah. Um, do you have anything you want to plug this time? Nah, I got nothing. Okay. I, I, plug, plug the Stormcrow comic cast, baby. Boom. Get your friends on it. That's right. right. Yeah, tell a friend. That's right. Friends tell other friends about the Stormcrow comic cast. Yeah. And if you don't do that, are you really a friend? One friend do you really could have tell friends? two friends. Those two friends could tell four friends. Oh, man. 
And then you have like seven people listening. Boom. <laughs> um, but, 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 but no, you know, you, I think you do have to kind of sit back and, and ask yourself, none of my friends are bringing up the Stormbroke comic as, are they really my friends? Yeah. Figments of your <sighs> imagination. Yeah. I don't know. So what you need to do is save them from themselves and tell them about the Stormcrow comic cast so that they can then tell their other friends. And then they will in fact be friends. Yeah. Real ones, not horrors. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let your friends become horrors because they'll be stuck in the woods, missing half their body. Not a good situation. So let them know about Stormcrow comic cast. Let them know about three, three, six cast.com where they can find previous episodes of the Stormcrow comic cast, where they can find episodes of the, of the three beards of name redacted of opposed thumbs of the three, three, six cast proper. Um, very soon, very soon. Actually, Matt, um, just let me know who you've maybe, uh, um, maybe I've, I think I've mentioned his name before. He's going to do the video game podcast. Let me know yesterday that he's recorded its first episode to be added awesome. to the 336 cast network. So check that out at 336cast.com. Hopefully it'll be up within the next few days. Um, huge backlog of three beards of, uh, of 336cast on its way. Uh, it's the end of the semester for me, so I don't have a bunch of time to give to each of the podcasts. But there is a, a backlog that's, that's building up. That hopefully, maybe towards the end of next week, it's just going to flood three three six cast. So, and we're awesome. almost to episode one hundred as as far as the overall um, number of episodes on the network goes between all the podcasts. Sure. I think I think there are eighty nine episodes on the site right now yeah. of the different shows. So there's plenty of, of 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 good times to to be had there, and we do have the Android app too. So. And that'll be in the episode description on 336cast.com. You can just click there, download it for your Android device, and take us on the go. Download us, stream us, whatever you want to do. Yeah. 336cast.com. That's right. Um, anyway, thank you for doing the show. Dude, thank you. Thank you. And uh, I guess we will see everyone next week with Saga number three. Yeah, baby. So. See you next week. <laughs>